Well, we um, come to the end of this series today on the cross. We've been uh, waiting, watching, walking, wondering, and today we're witnessing to uh, the cross. It's a call for a people, as Peter, that, that passage that we heard just a moment or so ago, it's a call for a people to rise up and to live in such a way that their lives tell the story of the change that the cross brings. You see, today, everyone kind of goes, well, that happened a long time ago, and it happened a long way away. And understandably, naturally, it's hard for people to make the connection, to make any connection between what happened outside a city war 2,000 odd years ago and what happens in your life and, and mine today. You are that connection for people. You are the only people that they can connect with and see something going on in your life that is so different from anything that they will find elsewhere that it helps them make sense of the cross. Remember what we said uh, last, was it last week? I, I don't know, it all blurs into one, doesn't it? Um, uh, about if you want to explain something to someone, start with what they understand. Now, people understand you, at least some of you people understand. And, and as they understand you and what's happening in you, it points to what Jesus has done on the cross. And, and as the New Testament draws to a close, Peter, one of the disciples first there on Resurrection Day, was writing to a group of Christians that, to be honest, were feeling a bit stressed out, the pressure was on, persecution was happening, the nations were volatile, nothing looked that certain. In a sense, it's a bit like today. And Peter says, look, I, I want you to focus on this death of Jesus and the change that it brings. And I want you to live out that change. Why? Because Peter knew what lies at the heart of the, Old, of the New Testament, and that's that the gospel, the power of God, is what happened on the cross. Now, you could have said, amen. You could have said, hallelujah. Hey, John, good morning to you. Lovely to see you, man. Uh, you, you could have said something, but you didn't. You just stared at me. So that's okay. For now, stare's good. It's when you droop, I get worried. Okay, so staring's good. Thanks, Tim. You see, the, the, the gospel, the gospel is about a change. And when Jesus died on the cross, it was about to bring a change in all our lives. And Peter says, even though the pressure is on, I want you to be those that live out that change so the world can see and know. So this is the question for us this morning. How do I give witness to the life-changing power of the cross? How do I become a living example that helps people make sense, understand the death and resurrection of Jesus? That's what he's encouraging them to do as he writes this letter. And I just want to draw out one verse uh, there at the beginning of what we heard read just some moments ago. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. There are three things here that Peter says 
you can do, that you can be part of, that enables you to be a living example, a real connection between the death of Jesus and a changed life here and now. And here's the first one, a living stone. I love this phrase because it doesn't make any sense. There's nothing more dead, more lifeless, more inanimate than a stone. A living stone, a a contradiction in terms, an oxymoron, something that, that doesn't make sense. How can a stone possibly live? But that's the point. Peter is saying there is something that by its nature, by its very natural existence, is dead. That something can live. Something that by nature is lifeless, is woken up, is made alive, it's a living stone. The Bible's very clear that we are dead. It's hard to understand. We perhaps want to fight it because we're not sure about it. The Bible says from God's perspective, your natural nature is, is dead, like a stone, like a, an inanimate object. And you say, how come? I'm eating, sleeping, breathing, working. I, I'm, I'm living the life. Are you? You see, from the Bible's perspective, living life would be a moment-by-moment encounter with the living God. A life so much deeper than the physical, eating, sleeping, breathing, working, living kind of life. So much deeper that simply just doing the physical stuff doesn't really, in God's eyes, amount to any life at all. So significant is that extra spiritual dimension that life without it is pointless. That's what the Bible says. Life without it loses its meaning. It becomes empty and futile. It's like the main ingredient, the essential ingredient to make it worth something is not there. A train without passengers, a city without people, a cake without cream, just pointless. Life, just physical, eating, breathing, sleeping, pointless. The physical moment is futile unless that moment is an encounter with God himself. And so Jesus told a story to help the people get, on, uh, get a handle on it. He told a story about the kind of person everybody wants to be. He was a really successful guy in the community and he earned enough money to build some barns and uh, that's what made you tick. If you had a big barn, that was, you know, hey, look at me, I've got a big barn. Uh, And Jesus says he was was so successful that, that after building a big barn, he could knock that barn down and build an even bigger barn. Wow, look at this guy's big barn and and a bigger barn. And then he died, the Bible says. And God's opinion, God's verdict on his life was that he'd never actually been alive. Think about it. He was living the kind of life all of us would instinctively, in our natural state, want to live. He was the kind of person we would want to be in their culture, and we could translate it into ours, whatever that translates into our culture. The sort of guy that says, he's the one who's made it. He's the one that's really living. And then he died, and, and, and Jesus says, well, actually, he's lost, he's lost everything. In fact, he hasn't even lost it. He never had it in the first place. That's the power of the cross. 
that dead stones, that dead lives can live. Can live. And, and if, if there's any sense of connecting in these moments with what I'm saying, any sense with which you resonate that the eating, sleeping, breathing stuff, it, it just leaves you wanting something more just leaves you with an ache that there must be more than this. If you're tracking with that, then, then, then you would ask what all of us need to ask. So how can I take my life to this different dimension? How can I stop being a stone and become a living stone? How can I become alive in a new way, a life so rich, so deep, that when my physical body ceases to breathe, it's almost nothing because the life I'm living is much bigger, much greater, more fulfilling, way beyond the compartmentalization of a physical body. And we might want to think about things that we could do to live that life. And typically people have thought about religious things that you could do to live that kind of life. Perhaps if I do certain things, it will help me discover this kind of life. Perhaps some ritual or some rhythm for my life. Is it if I get up early or stay up late? Is it if I don't eat in the mornings or only after lunch? What is it that I can do to help me find what I'm looking for? Uh, 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 some meditation, some this, that, or the other. Uh, and, and the resurrection story says no to all of that. There was only one thing. There was only one thing that made living stones that day. Only one thing. And that's they met the person, Jesus. You've got to meet the person. That's the only thing. Think about it. Think about Mary, who's totally lost in her grief, and she meets Jesus, and everything changes. Think about those disciples rushing to the tomb. Think about the others who were too scared to go out and were hiding behind locked doors. Think about those two walking back home to Emmaus, dragging their feet, full of sorrow for all that had happened. What was the change? It wasn't a religion. It wasn't a ritual. It wasn't a ceremony. It wasn't a church. It wasn't a program. It was nothing but meeting Jesus changed everything. Yay, someone's alive in the house. Hallelujah. I'll take little crumbs, you see. Just one, and I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm happier than you would believe. Yay. <laughs> and do you know what we're discovering about this Jesus? And we're discovering that, that you can meet him wherever you are. You see, Mary met him wandering in a cemetery. And the disciples met him, hiding away behind locked doors, locked in by their fear. Those walking back home, given up on the life they thought they were going to live. And they all met Jesus. Where are you right now? Are you wandering in a cemetery of a kind of life just now? Not quite sure which way to turn. You're full of what you've lost. Uh, Are you hiding away because you're afraid and frightened? Because you know there are things in your life that you can't fix and can't sort out. And it's like you're behind locked doors. Are you you walking back home? Metaphorically, I'm giving up on this life. It's it's useless. It, It hasn't treated me well. It hasn't worked out the way I plan, my dreams are in shatters, and all I can do is drag my feet home. Wherever you are, Jesus can meet you. And we've seen that. People just outside on the streets, just outside our church here, and we're discovering that outside you can hear about Jesus, you can talk about Jesus, you can pray to Jesus, you can have your life changed by Jesus just outside in the car park if Jesus is there. How fantastic is that, eh? Yeah, come on, guys. See, wherever, wherever you are, he can meet you. 
And wherever you are this morning, you can meet him and you might feel like a stone, like the life that you dreamed is just dead, but he can make stones live. And he calls you to be a living stone. And don't, whatever you do, fall for some other lie that something else or someone else can make you live. I beg you, don't look for a spouse thinking he or she will make you live. They can't. It's a weight too heavy for any relationship. Don't look for a a, a pattern of life that in itself will make you live. A living stone. And they were the only ones that lived that day. The religious leaders carried on with their stuff. The government officials carried on with their stuff. The ordinary people went about their business. But those who met Jesus lived. Hallelujah. So were you a living stone? You see, what the world needs more than anything, what your family needs more than anything, what your work colleagues need more than anything, what your community needs more than anything is you fully alive. That's what they need. And we find that life in meeting Jesus. Living stones meet the person. But what else? Peter says, to be a witness to the cross. Secondly, he says, be built into a spiritual house. Before you get the wrong idea, the word house is not a building, it's not three bedrooms, a driveway and a garage. The word is a word that we're coming to to love, a word oikos, meaning meaning a a, a wide family, an extended family. And and again, just in case you get the wrong idea, it's not about 2.4 kids, but it is about a a group of of perhaps 20 people. They would live, there would be a a kind of a a, a core family, and then there would be the uncles and, and the aunts and the cousins and the brothers and the sisters and the work colleagues and they they would live together in a kind of household. It's that idea. And what the Bible says is God wants to build you and me into that kind of household, into those kinds of relationships. So again, the Bible takes what they did understand, this idea of extended family. We don't understand it in our culture. We haven't had it for a generation or more. Uh, But they understood it, and and they took that pattern of relating together, and the gospel writers said, look, what Jesus wants to do is to build you into a spiritual one of those. And of course, it's no surprise, because that's the first thing that Jesus did. He gathered 12 guys, and he said, hey, we're going to live together, and we're going to do life together, and we're going to love one another. A stone by itself is not very impressive, but a building can be magnificent, can't it? God wants to build us into a spiritual house. So we need to make a partnership. We need to meet the person, but we need to make a partnership. If we're to witness this life-transforming power of the cross. That's what Jesus did with 12 men. It's what the early church did. Instinctively, they gathered together and they shared their lives with one another. Just as Jesus had taught them and amazing things began to happen. In fact, Jesus said before his death, didn't he? In the end, what will make people sit up and notice? What transformation will people really see and be touched in their hearts? They will see it when we love one another, when we love one another in in a totally new kind of way. And sometimes we've turned that into such a ridiculous notion. We've talked about when two churches have a service together. Look how those two from different denominations get on together. 
uh, and we make it into such a, a load of rubbish, really. What Jesus was talking about, it says just in the verse before, to love one another as I've loved you. What did Jesus do? He gathered people around him and he poured his life into them. That's the love that he had. He took weird people, 12, I'm the weirdest group of people that you could imagine. You know, that weird. Do you know? That weird. And, and he said, come on, guys, we're going to do this together. We're meeting the person, Jesus, and I'm going to build you into a spiritual household that's going to change the world. And Jesus taught them, and he served them. He was patient with them. He taught them his ministry. He taught them how to help him, and then he taught them to go on and do it instead of him. And in the end, he gave his life for them. That kind of family, that kind of love. So who are you being built into a spiritual house with? You see, if we want to help people connect with the transformation that happened on the cross, we need to be a people coming together in a world where people are falling apart. Deeply coming together in the way that Jesus gathered people and gave himself for them. So who comes round and feeds you when you're sick? Who do you call on to pray when your back's against the wall and you're desperate and need some backup? Who do you give free access to your life, to your house, to your resources, to your home? Who do you gather around your table for meals and prayer? Who do you depend on to help you disciple your kids because you know you cannot do that by yourself? Who do you challenge, encourage, and goad to be a better disciple? Who do you love like they're your own flesh and blood? That's the kind of coming together that Jesus says will cause a world to sit up and take notice. That's the kind of communities that will demonstrate the life change of the cross. Remember though, it's a spiritual household where you take responsibility for each other's spiritual growth. We've got to say no to our spiritual journeys being private. If you keep your spiritual journey private, you will not grow. Jesus never did that. He always brought people together that they might encourage and challenge and and push one another forward. There's no such thing as a private faith that's living and growing. Jesus had a different way. A world falling apart needs a people coming together that gives witness to the transforming power of the cross. And notice, lastly, as we seek to be living stones by meeting the person, as we seek to be built into a spiritual house by making a partnership, we're called to be a holy priesthood. The priest's job was exactly what I've been talking about. The priest's job was to help ordinary people connect with God. And he says, you are priests. You are the people that God is choosing to use to help other ordinary people connect with him. How fantastically cool is that? What an amazing privilege that you and I are called to stand in the gap to make the connection between a life-changing cross 2,000 years ago, 4,000 miles away, right in today to the people that you love, live with, and know. You see, there's no other kind of family that God wants to build than a missionary one, a priesthood one, a family that helps people make the connection. He called the twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out. And that way of living 
is infectious. And they modeled it in the New Testament, and the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. We are holy priests, and it's time to master, for all of us, to master our purpose. You see, something inside each one of us longs for significance. And what really bugs us about this life is that we know that it comes to an end. And because it bugs us, we ignore it. And we have created this fantastically brilliant kind of society that lives as if we're never going to die. And when we're faced with death, it's, it's a shock, it's confusing, it's disorientating, of course. But also because we've chosen to live as if it'll never really happen. I'm 42 and I'm going to go on forever. No hallelujahs about that. You see, soon after death, we know we'll be forgotten. We might stick a headstone somewhere in the hope someone would remember in a few generations' time, in the hope that anyone would care. We know that the works of our hands will soon come to nothing. The garden I am tending, (laughs) in my dreams, will one day fade. The business that I am building, I will one day have to sell or pass on to someone else. The works of my hands will fail. The towers that I'm building will crumble. The achievements will soon fade. In our natural state, the Bible says we're dust, and to dust we shall return. And I tell you, it hurts. And if you're pretending that doesn't hurt, I don't think you're being that honest with yourself. And the reason I say that And the reason that it hurts is that there is something inside us that says it was never, ever meant to be like this. There's this brilliant verse right at the, tucked away in the Old Testament in Ecclesiastes that says that God has set eternity in our hearts. When we're working for things that one day will pass away, instinctively something inside us says it was never meant to be like this. I was made for something more than this. And that's not to be arrogant or prideful. It's simply to say that because I'm made in God's image, God has made me for something more. And we can choose today to spend the rest of our years building for something that will soon be gone and soon be forgotten, or we can spend every day, every breath that we have building for something that will never, ever spoil or fade. What are you going for? What are you going for? There's that verse. Everything beautiful in his time. He said, eternity in the hearts of men. Jesus said, I've appointed you to bear fruit, and fruit that will last. There is an incredible sweet spot of knowing that you might still be building earthly things, of course. You might still be building towers that one day will crumble. But in and around that, of greater significance than any of that, you are building some things in people's lives that will last forever. That is the life that witnesses, that testifies to the life-changing power of the cross. And boy, was there a change at the cross. So you in? A living stone? Meet the person every day, wherever you are. Hear him whisper your name. Are you in? 
you willing to offer your lives to others deeply sacrificial way you're willing to welcome people into your home welcome people into what would be your tightest set of relationships where you feel the safest you're willing to open up invite others in that he might build something that is a model to a world falling apart that in jesus we can be a people coming together you're going to make a partnership And in the end, are you willing to be a holy priesthood and say today, today I'm going to make sure before my head hits that pillow that I'm going to build for something that will last forever. Let's pray.